guys welcome back to the bread to build podcast a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward if you like what we're doing you like the podcast you like the episode thanks for sharing all we ask is uh you give a little sherry share write us a review hit that little subscribe button my name is brett Gowen. i'm the founder of hammer and builders of insta and today i'm joined by my co-host matt panella i think we're we're on episode 25 Thank you guys for joining us once again. My name is Matt Panella, also known as Matt Bangswood, carpenter based out of Central California. Today, we, we got a good one and, and a, a fast one. Cars, that is. Cars, that is. Pedal to the metal. Uh, today, we got on Murray Kruger from Kruger Construction joining us. He's a father, general contractor based out of Canada. I'd say a healthy tool addict and uh, one hell of a car enthusiast. So we'll jump into that. Um, I Wait, think most question, of you. Question real quick: Where where are you from in in Canada? I'm from uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. All right. I have always wanted to know how to say that word. I a I knew. I just reverted to Canada. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that prior to this. All right, carry on, Brett. Um, first off, I'm going to debunk something. I think a lot of people are expecting that we're going to be having you on the podcast to talk about your following and creating content. That's far from what we're going to be talking to Murray about today. So definitely dive in with us today, guys. Um, but we're going to be digging into his background. I think, uh, you know, like I said, most people are expecting us to talk about your social media following. Um, and I think that's fine. Uh, but we're going to get real and raw with you today. Um, we're going to be diving into everything around family, business, hobbies, um, and what it's like being Murray behind all the content. So Murray, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, we do this clap thing every time. We try to. Usually I forget and then Matt leads it. All right, Murray, let's dive right in. So it's obviously been a journey getting to where you are today. Um, you know, being exposed to construction, starting your own business. Give us the breakdown. What's the story and uh, how'd you get to where you are today? All right. Well, I'll try to keep it quick because a lot of people say I should write a book with uh, the stuff I've been through. <laughs> but um, yeah, so grew up in a small town uh, on a farm. Um, you know, grew up with the mentality that, you know, if, if you can't do it, someone else is going to come do it. And then you're going to say, well, I could have done that. Um, so, you know, we just make things work on the farm. Um, worked in a grain elevator uh, before I got my driver's license and, you know, worked like in a, in a pharmacy. My parents always kept me working. You know, they were, uh, they were doing all right, but it was like, they weren't balling, right? They were, they were working hard, um, and that's the that's the environment I grew up in. Um, Dad was a trucker. Uh, first, he was a, a carpenter, um, and then he went back onto the farm. And he always said that trucking was his job, and it made him able to do what he loved, which was farming. There wasn't tons of money in it because they weren't that big of farmers. Um, so yeah, it was it was a lot of work growing up. Um, had a lot of fun, you know, played a lot of hockey. My parents tried to keep me out of trouble, which uh, once I got out of high school, um, that totally changed. Uh, I got in a lot of trouble. Like, <laughs> I probably lived, you know, like what some people would think, um, you know, like a 10-year life in just a, a couple of years. Um, but, yeah, I guess I'm sort of like the poster boy of 
you know, people can really change their lives, turn things around. I got in a lot of trouble, like lots of drugs, selling drugs. There was actually detectives that had a case on me and um, I ended up going to jail a little bit. Um, and then met my wife when I was uh, about like almost 19. Um, she changed my life, turned, turned everything right around. Uh, and then a buddy of mine got me into um, insurance restoration. And I started from there right at the bottom. Um, you know, we'd like go in after a flood and they would pack things up, carry out boxes. And then I started doing demos. Then, you know, they, they noticed that I was a hard worker and I was capable of doing stuff. So they started putting me with like the drywallers, the carpenters, and I was a help, helper for a long time. And then, you know, um, took the initiative, realized that, you know, if I work hard, people are gonna um, like me, I guess, and want me to work for them. Uh, so I was with that company for six years, worked right from the bottom, um, being a laborer to the top, being a project manager. And, you know, I was making like 80,000 a year and it just, you know, working for someone and like putting all my hard work into it and patting their pockets just wasn't my jam. Um, I wasn't a fan of that. Started a company with a buddy um, who were making like good money. And then he just started to chill a little bit while I kept on pushing forward. And um, that's like 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago this year, my wife and I started Kruger Construction. Um, wow, decade. Us. I got out of that. We're still actually good friends. My buddy, he's an older guy. He's actually my helper now. Um, his company folded uh, after I got out. He, he went for a couple of years. And then, uh, and then yeah, now he's joined us. And things have been pretty awesome. Um, definitely can't complain. Uh, I, I, you know, I always say to people, it's you got to say no to work. And you, you got to enjoy your life and enjoy your family. And as much as I preach that, I got to start doing that more. Um, you guys have probably noticed it's been a little tricky getting me on here because I'm just, I'm so busy. Um, people see like the social media stuff going on, but they don't see like the behind the scenes stuff. Um, like I wake up really early in the morning and just go till all night and burn myself out. And it's just like a reoccurring thing that happens over and over and over again. We're creatures of habit, right? And uh, mm -hmm. my, my, my habit is just go, go, go. Like even when I'm like supposed to take a day off and rest. I'm like out cleaning shop, the garage, um, just nonstop. My wife's like, you can't sit down. And it's true. You feel I, a little guilty, guilty when you relax. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just can't, man. My mind, like people are like, oh, you're doing so great. I'd love to, you know, have your life and stuff. And it's like, yeah, you know, try to last a week in, in this guy's head. Um, yeah. It, just, it never shuts off, man. I'm thinking like a hundred things at a time. It's uh, when, when I think of someone that, that doesn't stop, you are what comes to mind. I've, I've seen you at 11 o'clock at night packing demo materials out of a house. And I'm thinking, is he, is he going to sleep tonight? What, what's, <laughs> what's the plan here? But that go-getter mentality is probably why they loved you from the get-go at 19 all the way up until you left them. I mean, it's, it's hard to find that quality in somebody. And obviously you, you found your worth shortly into doing that because you, you started your own thing. Um, I'm, I'm sure that was probably one of the best decisions you made. It, it certainly was. I, I sometimes think back, I'm like, man, it would be so easy just to drive someone else's vehicle. Uh, you know, I'd show up at eight in the morning, get off at five and just leave it all behind you. But then it's like, 
I'm not doing my own thing. You know what I mean? I want to create my own legacy, not someone else's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so that's, and then, I mean, doing, doing the whole nine to five thing is really cool. And a, a lot of people enjoy it, but I hate to say it, Murray, but you wouldn't have an R32 parked in your garage if you didn't work as hard as you did. <laughs> that's right, man. Uh, one of my dad's buddies, he said, you know, it, it's fine to work the nine to five thing, but don't expect to be doing things, big things on a nine to five. Exactly. Yeah, no, it, it takes that 24-7. And I mean, it really doesn't stop. I was, I took a call last night at 11 o'clock from a client. Normally would never do that, but it's like, you know, sometimes you, you have to. And yep. that's just how it was. But, you know, your, your son Silas said something to you the other day um, that really resonated with me. He said something along the lines of, uh, you know how much a guy could get done in the real world if he spent as much time as he did uh, doing video game accomplishments. And that that really sort of stuck with me. And I, I think it was a, a moment in Silas's mind where something clicked. What, what do you think that is? And what do you think's coming? Um, yeah, man, that's, you know, uh, like, I didn't realize how having kids would take life to the next level. Like, you know, if you don't have kids, so be it. You get to enjoy a lot less stress. But um, yeah. <laughs> having kids... You know, it really does take it to the next level. And um, like Silas being 14 and hearing him say something like that, like, man, I got friends that are like 40 years old that that hasn't clicked yet. Yeah. And <laughs> I've never heard them say anything like that. And when he just came out of the blue and said that to me, um, you know, I was so busy. I was rushing. I was in the moment sort of thing. And I just, he said it and I just kept on moving. And then, you know, later that evening when I started to chill a little bit, I was like, man, that is crazy. Like he's, he's already starting to get it at such a young age. And then, you know, the next day um, I was at work and I was mudding and like mudding is always like my time where it's almost like therapeutic. Um, I can just yeah. think of other stuff cause I'm an autopilot. And, uh, and I, I, I needed to share that on the story. Um, and just, I went home that day and just talked to him about it. You know, you got to encourage um, stuff like that and you know let your kids know you're listening my dad always used to say um, don't push your kids to do things like that you like to do um, he said just get involved in what they like to do and he says it's only a matter of time until they start to check out the things that you like to do and that's uh that's totally been what I've been trying to do with my kids like my dad's been a huge part of my life, um, my parent life, giving me advice. And, you know, um, my father-in-law said a while back, he said, you always want the next generation to do better. And that's, uh, that's something that I think about all the time. Um, and with Silas, you know, that encouragement, um, you know, some of the best ways to teach them is just to set the example, show by example. And, you know, uh, that, that, that's what I was going to say. It really does seem like he, he saw you, I mean, I'm, I don't even know, a thousand miles away from you. And over the last five years, I feel like I've watched you grow as a person and not, not just like monetarily, not just in like, as a family, I've watched your family grow, your cars grow, your interests grow, all these different things. And I'm sure he, I mean, he lives with you. He's seeing that firsthand, like, Hey, dad might work his ass off, but like it's getting him something. And yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole video game realization you, you get that reward 
in that game, you get the same thing in real life. It just takes a lot of people a lot of time to figure out like, hey, you know, if I spent that much time on, say, starting a new business, it's not that much to start a new business. This could make me a lot or this could this could change my life forever. So with that being said, I know a couple years back he worked for you for the summer and that was that was how he got his gaming PC. Um, I think you mentioned something along the lines of him and a friend this summer. Yeah, one of his friends, um, it, it's crazy, dude. So, like, I think all the boys in his class, like, follow me on Instagram. And he's like, yeah. they're watching your stories during the day. And so I'd, like, <laughs> cut back, like, showing him too much because I'm like, I don't want to embarrass him in front of his friends. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, one of his friends who comes over here all the time was, like, keen on working this summer. So it's like, you know, normally I'm doing, like, the finishing work where we go back in and, uh, and do the rebuild. But I'm going to try to get some demos and, like, you know, teach the kids all about hard work and how yeah. rewarding it can be, you know, if you if you apply yourself. That's awesome. So to, to switch things up a little bit, it's something that I've seen you you share quite a bit. And that, that's mental health. It's something I've struggled with personally for, for many, many years. Um, but it's something you seem to care about a lot. And I think it's important for us to dig in a bit. Um, so really what, what's your first thought that comes to mind when you think about mental health and has it been a struggle for you in the past? It, it certainly has. Um, you know, I, I got two buddies that, uh, ended up, uh, taking their own lives. Uh, oh, one shit. guy had a uh, PTSD. He was actually, um, a peacekeeper overseas and he was a dude that I worked with, like right from when I started with that company, when I was, uh, just before I turned 19 and he actually molded me quite a bit. Um, I used to hit the gym with them all the time. I used to be uh, actually a lot bigger than I am now when you didn't have kids, you know what I mean? Like well, you got, you got you time. Got all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was hitting the gym with these guys all the time and, uh, he became a really good friend of mine. I didn't even know what was going on. I knew that he had his struggles here and there, but he didn't talk about it much. And then, you know, he had two little girls and he ended up taking his life. And then, uh, another buddy of mine. Um, he was actually an insurance adjuster and I knew something was going on with him. He's a young dude, man. He was like 22 years old and I oh, got wow. a call from his parents and his uh, sister and they were like, he was one, you were one of the last people that he talked to and we we're actually doing a job together. And then I found out um, he ended up taking his life on the way to the lake. Gosh, and, uh, yeah, it was just, it was really hard and it, you know, it made me think about, you know, we need to talk about this stuff more. A lot of people are just like, push it to the side, especially that old school mentality where it was yeah. just like, you know, suck it up. Um, you know, life can be hard, but you know, a lot of people don't realize like, it's a struggle, man. Everybody is different and, uh, you know, we need to talk about these things. And for me, um, oh man, it started when I was probably like early twenties before we had Silas. Um, you know, one night I just woke up like in the middle of the night and I was all freaked out. And Natalie, my wife, my girlfriend at the time was like, what's wrong? And I was like, we're all going to die one day. And I don't know, man, I went into a spiral after that. Um, there was like some drug use, but like, it wasn't like hard drugs. It was probably just like, I smoked too much weed before I went to sleep and it just set something off, man. And, uh, and man, I was a mess for a long time. Like I thought there was like something really wrong with me. And then, you know, you have kids and you start worrying about stuff like, um, I've got like that white coat kind of syndrome where like, 
I, I can't stand going to doctors and I always think there's like something wrong with me or I'm dying yeah. or like I hear about someone getting something and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm going to get that, right? And, and oh man, it's just so easy to get into a spiral. And I find if you keep it to yourself, it just gets much worse. So I try to talk about it, get it out there more. Um, you know, I've dealt with, I, I've got really bad anxiety. And when that gets really bad, I find it leads to depression. And there's been times like, like even on here, I don't know if you're following when we were in our last house, little house, and uh, I painted the exterior and I did like all the patching on the siding and stuff. I was like, not going to work then. I was like a mess. Um, I think for probably like five days, I just was like lying in bed. Um, not like suicidal or anything, but I just had lost um, all ambition and I was really down. And then, you know, I started to like come out of the cave sort of thing. And like, it's, it's crazy how, you know, on social media, everybody's like, oh man, he's like fixing up his house and painting it and stuff. And it's like the struggle that's actually going on. Like I was like losing my mind. Um, and, you know, it's been a while since that's happened. I find when I like stay really busy and um, just try to be vocal about stuff and my emotions and, and share what I'm going through um, with my family, my wife, and just talk it out. I do tend to feel a lot better, but I know there's a lot of people out there, man. When I talk about it, I just get an overwhelming amount of DMs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're all going through this crazy thing called life. And there's, you know, some sometimes it just makes no sense at all. Um, well, I, I think I, a lot of people see the the social media aspect, like you say, and, and think like, oh, he's, he's, he's got his house. He, some people on, on there have multiple houses and it, it, things must be great. It, it must be awesome. Like, but even I, I've, I've worked with some very high dollar people before, um, whether it be personal or in business and everybody has those struggles. It's not just, it's not just, Oh, lower income. Yeah. You're, you're going to have anxiety. Like some of the wealthiest people I know have the most stress on them and they go through the worst times that you could even imagine. Um, I think it's a, a big thing though to talk about it because like I said, a lot of people think like, oh, you know, life must be good, but no matter who you are, you have, you have struggles. If you don't mind me asking, do you, you know, you started your, your business, obviously that's a, a big undertaking. It's much more than just lining up the work and doing the work or you got all this back office stuff, the paperwork, like everything a else paperwork. in between. I mean, like <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but I mean, one thing that I wanted to ask you is obviously, you know, creating a business is an undertaking. Have you become a little bit, maybe like someone listening to this uh, could get a piece of advice from you, but have you been able to identify some of those moments where you know that that trigger point is coming when you kind of feel this sense of being overwhelmed where the anxiety is going to kick in and you kind of know it's going to spiral into that three, four, five day where all the ambition is just absolutely like drained out of you? Have you become a little bit more self-aware of like when you're hitting that breaking point? And if you have, like, what is that like? 100%. Um, you know, my mom calls it all the time. Uh, she watches me on social media and stuff and just like in contact with my wife and stuff and myself. And she's just like, slow down, man. You're going to burn out. And what would happen was like, I would actually get like physically sick. Um, mm. Just like lack of sleep, not eating properly and just so much stress. Um, you know, one thing that 
I guess some advice for like the younger people out there is, and I have trouble with it too, but I've been working on it lots, is a very dangerous person that you don't want to mess with is someone who is in charge of their emotions. And uh, a guy said to me like a while back, he's like, stand your ground, but choose your battles. Mm. And being a business owner, sometimes things are going to happen that are out of your control and you just can't take it personal. I've had so many times where like something has just eaten me up, um, just a stupid little thing. And that's, that's how it can start. You know what I mean? Um, like Monday was a really good example. Uh, I woke up with like a headache and then it was just like every little thing was just going bad. And mm -hmm. I should have really stepped back from the day and just like gone home, chilled with my family and relaxed. But I just like kept at it and it kept getting worse until I got to the point where I was like, okay, I just got to end this shit and go home. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, um, you know, like I said before, we're just creatures of habit, man. We like might not realize it, but we just like do like the same thing. Um, and you got to like sort of learn yourself. You're never really going to be in control of your life, but you can like be in control of your actions mm -hmm. and your actions really affect the things that happen around you. That's something that I've learned. You know, it's, it's not always like that, but, but for the majority it is. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a, it, it's relatable here, but um, I read it a while back and I'm, I'm rereading it right now, but uh, James Clear has Atomic Habits that really dives into like what triggers habits, like the cues that you have. And it, it's something as simple as like waking up in the morning, you're tired, coffee helps like wake you up and that that's when you feel ready for the day or like your phone vibrates, that's your instinct to check it. And it, it really kind of makes you sit back and think about like what these cues are actually doing and like how your life is structured. You can kind of break down piece by piece, like what you do in your daily life. Mm -hmm. It'll trip you out if you really get into it, but it's a great book if you haven't read it. I yeah. love that book, man. The whole environment design thing. Like one thing that I wanted to become better at is like being a little bit more consistent at reading. Like I think a lot of us, we get this like, spur of, oh, I'm going to read all these books or I'm going to get educated on certain material. You go at it for a couple of days and then, you, you know, like life gets in the way and whatever else, excuse. This whole thing, I know we're kind of going a little off topic, but uh, this whole like environment design of like organizing your house. So like, for example, if you want to drink more water, you'd place more water bottles around the house. Like you would see a cue everywhere you go. So if you're a creature of habit, you want to read a book more, maybe you set it on the couch. So like when you come in home, instead of like going and grabbing the beer you're like oh like my book is there that's the obvious choice or you set it on your bed before night that's one thing that i do but marie i, I have a question for you obviously you know you, you talked about this a little bit but there's a lot of external factors that can affect your day and as a business owner you know we get a lot of people that talk about starting their own business maybe they want to go work for a company for a couple of years, some just want to like grab the bull by the horns and say like, screw it, I'm going off right on my own, like day one. But um, I'm always curious that, you know, we'll start with the bad and then go to the good. But what's like a bad day look like for you? And then we can follow that up with what's a good day look like for you? Um, You know, I've, oh man, the people. I always want my customers to be happy and I will go to like crazy lengths um, like losing money to make them happy. I've never like had a job where like I didn't make money, 
but there's a lot of jobs where I could have made more money, but you know, I've sort of just handed that money over or just, you know, made things happen, uh, just to keep them happy. Um, and that, that is extremely stressful to me. Um, like with our type of work, they didn't really want you in their house. It's not like mm. a renovation. Like it's not have, a kitchen remodel. It's like a <laughs> shit, our house flooded. I get like, yeah, yeah. Our basement is full of shit. And now these guys are coming in and like tearing apart our basement and taking all of our stuff out. And it's but of course, and, we'll take the $5,000 change order. That sounds great. Right? Exactly. I, I mean. That makes sense. Yeah. So I never so, thought of it from that point of view. Man, dealing with the people, that's what really gets to me. Like, sure, we'll screw up something um you know material wise lose some money there but but like people just knowing that people aren't happy with me or something's gone wrong and they're like disappointed or something like that that's the stuff that really eats at me and bothers me how do you deal with all the demanding well i i guess it's a little bit different like you said the renovation versus like the insurance type of work but how, how do you deal with like we had a I was talking to a guy uh, yesterday, uh, shout out to Jay for some podcast feedback, um, but he was asking about, he really wants to learn more about like managing very demanding clients where people are always changing stuff. Cause if, you know, for this guy specifically, uh, this is probably something that, well, maybe all of us drives us absolutely insane. Like, how do you manage that? Communication. Communication is number one. Um, you got to stay on top of it. You've got to like surprise them. Um, how on the ball you are um i i will admit this last year like i feel like i've dropped the ball a couple times i'm um, just you know with social media and everything it gets overwhelming like just it's non-stop right from the time i wake up in the morning i'm like doing posts staying on top of things um on four different platforms trying to do that and then run this construction company daily um because i always say you know social media we're doing good on it and stuff and we've monetized things but I always say it can go as quick as it came. The construction mm -hmm. is solid. Like that's what I've, I built the social media too, but the construction is like where it will always be. Like that's got my name on it, right? Kruger construction. And I worked so hard to get that company um, off its feet sort of thing. So I really, really do focus on it. And uh, communication, man, that is key. Uh, you gotta be honest and upfront with people. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's some really crummy people out there. And there's some people that um, just no matter what you do, you're not going to make them happy. And you got you to gotta realize that. And at the end of the day, if you know that you did the best that you could and you were honest, open and communicated really well, that's all you could do. You know what I mean? I think at the end of the day, there are just some very unhappy people in this world that no matter what you do, no matter what length you go to, they're simply not going to be satisfied. I've always found like, Murray, you bring up communication, at least I'm speaking for myself personally. I've always found, and I've learned this more about myself is uh, communication just solves everything. Like you, you, that problem in your head is so much fucking bigger than the actual problem in front of you. Like you just magnify it in your brain and like think of all these alternative scenarios that's going to go on. Typically, that's not how it usually plays out. But I've always found that like most times if you're dealing with anyone, whether it's a, a client, whatever, uh, 
if you can properly communicate and saying, hey, this is what went wrong and I think this is a proposed solution, it makes that person feel so much more at ease. Like, obviously, communication would be bad if you're like, hey, every time a problem comes up, you're like, hey, da 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 like, this is obviously a shitstorm and you can't propose a solution. Like, obviously, that client's not going to be happy. But if you can propose a solution and just work through that with that process, I mean they're going to be a lot more appreciative of you being communicative with them during that versus just waiting until it boils up and it's too big to tackle. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's with everything too. Like for sure, life in general, man, communication, like with your spouse, your kids, um, everything, you know what I mean? Like I have this thing, um, glass doors in showers. When I know we have to install a glass door, it's like a huge buildup. And like the, the night that before I'm going to install this glass door, cause I've had a couple break on me and, uh, and I like, I get like sweaty palms and like really worry about it. And then it goes in and it's done. And it's like, damn man, like that wasn't even as bad. I built it up so much worse than it really was. Um, that, that's one thing we, we tend, like you said, to overthink things. Um, you just gotta be vocal and get it out there, man. I agree. I mean, that that's the I'm connecting the dots between like, uh, that and the mental health thing that you brought up, like we, we had Garrett Davis on life above on here and we were talking about, you know, him overcoming substance abuse and everything, but a lot of what he talked about and, you know, just the reality of construction, like we don't have the luxury of going into these big corporate offices with an HR department where you just walk in and talk about every problem that's going on through your head. Like usually the mentality is like, show up, do the work keep those problems at home. But I mean, I would imagine, yeah, I would imagine that, you know, most of the time it's just getting stuff off your chest and then you feel absolutely free. it's like, you kind of like rip off the chains that were holding you back in the first place. And so I'd imagine that that's probably been one thing that probably has helped you is actually being a little bit more vocal about it. So you don't hit kind of like those deep trigger points is that kind of how I'm understanding it. hundred percent, man. Like, uh, even when things are like bothering me and I get vocal about it um, on social media, like on my stories, like, you know, any little thing, like when I had a surgery done not long ago and I thought it was just like me and I was all alone. And then I said what was going on and like tons of people reached out and was like, man, I had this done or I'm going through that right now. And it's like, you know, you, you feel alone, but then when you talk about it and find out that other people are going through this type of stuff, it just, like you say, it, it rips the chains off and, and mm-hmm. just feel free. Oftentimes, that's how people dealing with drug addiction or like alcoholism, anything like that. That's how they feel as well. Like there's there's nobody out there that can help me. But realistically, you're just one of a million that's dealt with this problem and that you are far from alone. But I think your, your mind kind of tells you like, hey, you know, you're by yourself. Good luck. But I think that's been more, I don't want to go into this rabbit hole right now because I think we're kind of like on a little bit more positive trajectory with COVID and everything. Let's fingers crossed at least. But I think that's kind of been a developing perception over the last couple of years is because so many people have become more confined to their, you know, own homes during COVID and everything. I think that's become more and more the case where they, you know, the data does show like people are feeling more loneliness. And so you're automatically going to think, yeah, I'm the only one going through these problems. Yep. Yeah, I agree. 100%, man. We got to get back out and start living life again. I'm with you, man. Um, I want to talk about some of the craftsman cycle stuff. Uh, One of the most common things that I hear uh, from folks in construction is, 
you know, outside of uh, actually building things is building the business. They, they common, commonly say like, I didn't go to business school, so I don't know about a lot of the stuff. It's the common craftsman cycle. Um, and I know there's a gap between like building and actually building a business. Uh, there's a growing pain there. But if we kind of go back to some of your early days and maybe just map out some of the process and the journey, what was it like in the beginning when you went out on your own from like actually building to building a business? Well, that's, that's the thing, you know what I mean? Like you're saying, um, you know, a lot of people think you got to like go to business school to run a business and that type of stuff. Like, first off, like, I'm not a smart guy at all. No means like they put me in the modified class in like grade nine. And I'm not talking just like the bad kid class. I was in like the class with the bad kids and they put us in with like the handicapped kids it was just like we were a nuisance to the smart kids because the smart kids were going to be like you know doing so well in the world and and all this and go to college and stuff and it's almost like we were a distraction because we just didn't care like I, I hated school I hated school so much I was I have nightmares like lately that I'm still in school and they're like telling me that I need to graduate, but, and I'm like, dude, I run like Kruger construction. I'm making more money than these <laughs> teachers right now. Why do you have me here? Um, and that's been like an ongoing dream, man. Um, well, not a dream, a nightmare, an honest nightmare. Um, but you know what? Like if, if I can do it, man, anyone can do it. You just, like I said, you have to really apply yourself you have to put in the time like I know at the start I was so much more organized like I would like every receipt would go into a file in my truck and now it's just like I got a little diamond back like sax bag that I just jam all the receipts and my wife gets so pissed off because I like dump this like this little bag of like crimpled up receipts in there but but um you know what man like the hard work like it's not going to be nine to five when you're working for yourself um the the paperwork is so overwhelming uh i don't know like how many people are like charging for quotes but like in what we do you cannot charge for quotes i do like i do so many quotes it's ridiculous and like some big companies they'll get me to like come in insurance companies and quote like on like half a million to a million dollar job and there's so much stuff in there and they want it detailed and i know there's no way i'm gonna get the job because i'm gonna get undercut by these huge companies that are gonna like put in addendums and you know end up charging more than i charged in the beginning but um if you don't bid the project they won't get, they won't get you for the next one dude you go back you go to the bottom of the pile if if you become yeah. like, not reliable you know what i mean once you get on that list and they make that call. You gotta, you gotta put out kind of thing. And uh, man, it's it's a true struggle. Like, there's a lot of times where I'm just like, screw this. I don't want to do it anymore. But you know, then those checks keep coming in, and it's like, okay, this is all right. Like, it's not, that, keep bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that bad. How have you, you know, you, you talked about the paperwork and everything. I, I'm sure that you've become a lot more smart over the years on managing your business, but how do you keep your ducks in a row? This is like the biggest complaint that I hear from Dude, people is like managing that back office, man. How do you keep wife, it in a row? My wife is so solid. So like when we started doing it, I was like doing some of the paperwork and she was doing it. And then uh, she was on the job site as well. Like my wife is like super picky. She is like a good, good craftsman. Like she knew nothing when she came in and I taught her like everything, like all the little tricks, 
to, um, you know, just making things go quicker and the right methods and stuff. And she picked this all up. It was awesome. And people are like, dude, how can you work with your wife? Like, they're like, you know, if I'm like, even just driving to soccer with the kids, I'm getting in arguments with my wife. How are you working with her all day? And it's like, you know, you just, you got to stand your ground. You got to choose your battles and know that she's the boss. <laughs> and pretty much in the end, she's going to say something and it's going to go that way. Um, so, you know, my wife, she is really like the backbone of this company. She does all the behind the scenes stuff for um, the construction company and social media. Um, she's like our bookkeeper, uh, our, our accountant, we just had a meeting with him and he's like, man, you do such a good job, Natalie. He's like, some people come in here with like a shoebox of receipts and like, she just comes in everything completely organized. Like she's tearing her hair out, like trying to get this all going. But, um, but you know, when it's over and it's done with, and you get a person like an accountant, who's like huge on all the numbers and bookkeeping saying that you did a great job. Um, that's a that compliment right there. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, he told her, he's like, you are so organized. Going through this stuff is so easy. And, uh, you know, she just, just really applies herself and does a good job with anything she does. So I'm really grateful to have her, um, doing that. And I just said to her, I think it was this morning. I'm just like, all right, boss lady, I'm going to work, little working man, going to work. <laughs> right. Cause we're on like these huge commercial jobs right now. I'm on a, a grocery store that had like um, a main water line burst and it ruptured through the sewer line and brought up like gray black water three inches throughout this whole grocery store and like you can imagine how much money a grocery store brings in every day and insurance is paying for that loss plus like oh wow man it, the, they're huge and like so we're not running this job ourselves we get called in to like help a company out but they like put a lot on us and they're always like, oh man, I can't believe how much you guys get done in one day. And it's like, well, yeah, it's because like we're working like all day. Like they, you know, I can't even really make videos in there. There was one time where I made like stories showing like their trailers and all this. And then I got like a call from Toronto and this guy's like, hey man, you got to pull this stuff down. One of our top corporate guys like follows you <laughs> on Instagram and he's You're like, block. Like, he's showing like all the secrets <laughs> and stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, yeah. And then we also had a, a brand new hotel that's like i don't know it's like state-of-the-art hotel like in our city downtown overlooking the river and somebody went up to the top floor and opened up the um hose supply line where they hook up like a fire hose uh the firefighters and they opened that up and you can imagine how much water comes out of there and it flooded from like the 15th floor down my so, god uh, Dude, it's crazy. And this is like a brand new hotel um, and they're trying to keep it open. So like we're like doing a floor at a time sort of thing. So go in, do the demo, dry it out and then get it all put back together. And they give us 10 days to do that on each floor. So it's a uh, floor of the hotel. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Dude, it's intense. It's intense. Um, oh, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, man, I'd love to just go install some cabinets or like some doors <laughs> on like a renovation job. <laughs> but, a, a glass shower door? Yeah. <laughs> give me that again. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> give me those sweaty palms back. <laughs> oh, man. It's out of control. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. You're like, I wish for that nightmare again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Murray, I want to go back to something that you said a little bit earlier. Uh, I want I want to ask 
one thing kind of around the next generation and then we'll go into some of the hobby stuff, but, um, this one has to do kind of with the the business. So going back to what you said, your father-in-law once told you the goal is to have the next generation always do better. Um, love that. My question is what kind of guidance or like values do you want to show your kids as you navigate, uh, your life being a construction business owner? Have you thought about that? Yeah. Um, like I said, set, try to show them by example. Um, you know, a boss said to me once, you can tell someone to do something or you can ask someone to do something. There's probably going to be a very different outcome on what happens. And I did learn that being a project manager, dealing with people and uh, with my kids, you know, I, I don't want to push them too much. I want to show them, you know, like, it's cool to work hard, you know, rather than like, you just got to do it. Right. And really mold that, that into them and show them that um, one thing that I've found through life is you're a product of your, of your environment. So the people that you surround yourself with is pretty much the people you're going to be. Um, and it was hard. Like when my wife and I, we were like partying all the time, you know, like when we were younger and we had jobs before we had our son, it was just like every weekend we go party hard and like separating ourselves from that group of people that sucked um, at the time. Cause you know, you get that fear of missing out sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, you start surrounding yourself with people that like are positive and are doing well. And, you know, you all start to sort of work together and uh, it's not like keeping up with the Jones or anything, but it's like, you got good support. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really want to do that for my kids. Like I was thinking, man, like, I hope my son Silas can just like skip that whole stage of like partying and like smoking and like getting in trouble, like drinking and driving. We've all done it. And, uh, and you know, I, I just hope that I can set a good example and just show him like, Hey dude, like just, you don't even need to do this stuff to be cool. Um, skip right so over it. Yeah, man. Like some of the most cool people I know were just at the time they weren't cool because they were saying no to like doing stuff, bad stuff. Mm -hmm. But now like I look at them, I'm just like, man, that took like a lot of courage and a lot of strength to just like not let that peer pressure make you do stuff. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. Some crazy times. I had some crazy times, but it's like, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen with me? Like all that shit I put in my body, man. Like, you know, I'm just raising the chances of, you know, having a shorter life. And I really want my kids to just know that, you know, you don't have to do that stuff. You can, uh, you can have a good life without, you know. You know, I, I think one of the, one of the biggest things you could do is be open about it from the get go. Yeah. Um, so like not, not to talk about family by any means, but um, my father struggled with addiction many times and he, he's been open with me about it from the beginning. But seeing that at a young age, that, that kind of set me on the path of like, I, I see what it gets you. I don't want anything to do with it. And kind of explaining like, hey, you know, nothing good came from this. Why, why would you want to do it? That, yeah. that really set me on a, on a straight path. But, you know, I've, I've got other family that was kind of like sheltered and like, don't, don't tell them anything bad's going on and shit they are partying down. Like they're in their yeah, 30s man, I was just gonna say and they're that. still going hard. And it's right? like, you know, at some point you need a job, but it's, yep. it's that middle ground, man. If you're, if you shelter them too much, then they just want to explore this world and an adventure and do all the things mm -hmm. and rebel every, 
against everything that their parents tell them. And then, you know, I really uh, hope none of my family listens to this podcast. <laughs> dude, that's, I always think of it. Like I was like, my mom was like, just so hardcore. Like, not like, I remember this one time I was like 16. I was at a host party and I parked my truck in a back alley. My mom came into this party looking for me because <laughs> the cop was like, the town cop was like, why is Murray's truck parked in this back alley across the street? I'm like, dude, I'm hiding it from my mom. My mom's going to like freak out. I was like, you know, that um, animal from the Muppets, like that crazy guy that plays the drums. Yes. I was like pretty much that guy in a cage. <laughs> and as soon as I graduated, I moved out of my parents' place and I was just released in the world. Like just, just going crazy, <laughs> dude. And yeah, I definitely, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a long story. We won't even get into that. That's a whole there's, other there's life. some wake-up calls. <laughs> yep, yep, big time. Hitting rock bottom over and over and over. Maybe we'll have a part two. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, <laughs> a rated R part two. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to put the explicit when we uh, upload the uh, the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Matt, let's take it into some hobbies. All right, so... I think those that follow you kind of know what you're about, but let, let's go over some some hobbies outside of the work, the tools, the construction. Um, it all started with, what was it originally, an IS-300? Yes, mm. man. Uh, I remember that, seeing well, that. That was like just like such a random purchase. I like, <laughs> I, I, I called my wife, I was like at work and I was like, hey, we got like this, it's like your guys' Craigslist, they call it Kijiji. And people okay. just put like things on there for sale. And I was like, dude, there's like this, this IS 300. And it's like, it sounds like an old lady owns it. And it's like pearl white. And you know, it's got low kilometers. And I was like, can we just go look at it? And she, she just like, for sure. So we went and took it for a test drive. And I was like, this car is awesome. And we get it back. And the lady's like, what do you think? And I was like, I'll give you six grand and I'll never forget the look on my wife's face. Cause she had no clue. She thought we were just going to test drive a car. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I bought the car right there and I was like, so pumped. And she's like, what are you going to do with this thing? I'm like, you know, I'll, I'm just going to drive it. It's like, it's four door car. So it can be fun. Right. And, uh, and I can still cruise around with the family in it. And that's, it's that's like souped it up sleeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, I always grew up like, um, my second vehicle, my first vehicle was a Ford Ranger. Um, and then I got a Honda Civic SI. And I ended up, that's when I found out a, like about um, putting Octane Boost in a car. <laughs> and how you can get like little flames coming out of the exhaust pipe. But then, you know, <laughs> things actually do melt inside the engine. So my dad and I did an engine swap and we actually found, um, what is it? It's like a B16A uh probably wrong on the engine type but it was like a high horsepower uh si engine um it was a VTEC, and we put that in this car and it was it was awesome um we souped up did a little body kit on this car and stuff and that was like around the time that the first fast and furious came up now you guys <laughs> oh you were a hot yeah, ticket right back then oh, yeah God. like That's i'll funny. never forget that movie that little car had never been driven so hard parking lot man it's just like everybody's just like begging their little cars their little hondos after that movie <laughs> but uh yeah that was and i was always like chasing the dragon after after um you know that car 
actually got broken into i had like a crazy stereo system in there i was working out of town it was in like a gate and uh it got robbed they stole the whole stereo system and you just when if you haven't been um like robbed before it's like such a violation like even though you get it everything back i just felt so violated that someone was like in my car stole my shit kind of thing so yeah. i sold that car like right away i just got rid of it and then i bought like a 93 honda cord se and it was quite like a rare car it was like a really cool like um factory it looked blue it looked black um it looked green it was like a really cool um color and that was my baby and my wife's gonna kill me for telling you guys this but she had borrowed her dad's mercedes at the time it was an older mercedes and the exhaust fell off when she was going to work and she's like oh i'm just gonna take it back home and she's like can i borrow your car and i was like yeah go ahead i put new rims on it i was like let me know what you think how it drives there was a flash flood in her area at work that day and i went to see how bad it was and my car was actually floating it was off the ground floating and dude, I was just like, never again am I going to own a little sports car sort of thing. And then you're like, how the wheels, <laughs> dude, I, I, I'll never forget that day. Like I just like, they float. Oh man. I did like uh, 180 with my truck, just ripping, squealing, just and she's over out. here sinking oh, <laughs> or floating. Dude, I, I should was, say. Yeah. It was floating. I'll never forget a big truck drove by like a big, like five ton truck drove by rock truck and like you could just see the truck like or the car just like moving going with the water yeah on the water dude it was oh, awful God. it was terrible i didn't even take anything out of the car i was just like screw this car i was like write it off it's done i'm just gonna have my work truck from now on so so the is 300 was like the comeback car your first step back into the whole import scene yeah the love back yeah it was man and that's i i don't know like I'm running out of room with all the cars I'm buying, and you you I, still have the IS three hundred though, right? You put it in a C train or something. I put it in a cargo or not a car. Um, uh, I bought a I got a crazy deal on a car trailer. Like I, I think they gave me the wrong price. I think they sold me like, <laughs> what was should have been like a little trailer. It came from out of town, and I bought it right on the spot. And I was like, "Are you sure? Like this trailer is like a twenty thousand dollar trailer, and you guys are only charging me like ten grand, and it's a brand new trailer." So I bought it. And I put the IS three hundred in there this uh, this winter, but yeah, that that car it's gonna be so hard to let go. And everybody's like, "Oh, give it to Silas," and I'm like, "Man, that car like you drive around puckered up because like if you hit any <laughs> like dips in the road, it's just like bottoming out and rubbing, mm -hmm. and it's just yeah." And everybody gives me a hard time with the R thirty two because they're like, "Oh, you got wheel gap? Like, what are you doing? Like driving that thing off road?" And I'm like, "I like to drive it like." Yeah, with, and I like to be able to hit bumps like without it like bottoming out, right? So you know, uh, I, the, I had a. I think every, everybody, I mean, majority of people in construction have some sort of ties to some little car or truck. But I had a, a Mazda Speed Three, and it was static dropped on like the stiffest coils you could get, and the thing sat about a quarter inch from the the pinch seams to the ground, and you couldn't drive it anywhere. And as cool as it looked, not having like. I could, I talked very, very hard on the wheels that I had, but it was a lot more fun to drive when it was lifted up and you, you didn't have to worry about it. So I get that with the R32. And not only that, you don't want to ruin the underside of an R32. 
Exactly, exactly. And it's so crazy. Like, you know, um, people are going to think I'm nuts for saying this. I used to see people driving around in a car like that and be like, oh man, it must be nice. Like I wish. And now that I'm cruising in it, I'm like in there, like in a tin can, like hoping like, oh God, don't blow up. Don't blow up. Like, <laughs> like it just gets so expensive. Like that car, it's hard not to drive it hard. Mm-hmm. And then parts, like my buddy told me why I bought it. He's like, you cannot get parts here for that. So he's like, when something goes, sometimes the car sits for like six months, which as you guys know, can be like our whole like summer scene here. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. So then what was, what was the other one you got? I remember it, it's a sixties Mustang, correct? Uh, 73 Mustang Mach one. Yeah. I okay. actually got, That's sweet. Yeah, what was, was the story on that? Cause I remember it was something along the lines of you knew the owner originally or what, what was that? So it was a buddy of my dad's and uh, they would always hang out at car shows and he, he lives in the same town as us. And he actually, he went to a huge Mustang guy. He had like, oh man, six, seven, seven Mustangs. Um, and he went to a car show the day before showing this car. And the next day he had a massive heart attack and passed away. Oh, and he wow. was like, yeah, he was in his late 70s, so older dude, but, you know, you, we look at him like, you know, that's an old guy, he had a good life, but I think when you're that age, like, you just, you're still rolling, right? Like, I feel like I'm still, like, 16 in my head, even though, like, I'm sure my kids' friends are like, this guy's an old guy, right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so older dude, um, what we did was we had a local car show for him after he passed, and um, was it his his wife and her nephew couldn't get into reverse and it's a, it's four speed manual. So to get it in reverse, you have to put it all the way to the left past first. And there's like no, no guide on there. Like there's no numbers or anything. So they're like, yeah, we can't reverse this car out of the shop here. So dad went over, pulled it out and he offered, he said, if you want us to, we can drive it over to the car show. And I said, you know, we got it do this right. I said, bring over to the house and I'll really clean it up, polish it up. And so, um, I got it all cleaned up and it was weird because like the car was almost like calling to me. Like I did not like the color of the car and I did not like the interior, but I grew up thinking that car is the most badass car. Cause my dad had one when he was in his early twenties and always talked about it, how fast it was, how amazing it was. And he was even to this day, he's like, uh, sometimes I open the door to the garage and he's like, I'm hoping it's all just a bad dream and the car's still in there. And he, he sold it. Um, gas prices were going wild at that time. And he sold it because it was going to be too much to drive. And he bought a Honda Civic, like, and I'm not talking like the eighties, like late eighties Honda Civic. It was like the first Honda Civics that you don't see anymore because they just like <laughs> rusted and blew away in the wind kind of thing. So that's what he was driving after that Mustang. So I grew up like, wanting that Mustang, but I didn't like the gold. I didn't like the uh, brown interior, but I polished that car and I like really just in those few hours it like grew on me. So we took it to the car show and his wife mentioned that she's probably going to be unloading all the cars. And my dad's like, well, Murray would love a shot at this car um, if, if he could get it. And so she had called me like about a week after the show and said, Hey, I'd like to sell the car, but you have to take two other ones with it. And I was like, this is not good. So I I ended up getting a 72 
Mustang Mach 1 that's in primer, all the body work's done and we got all the parts. And then um, a 73 uh, Mustang Mach 1, another one that needs to be restored. So I've got, I went from having no Mustangs to having how, like- How are you Mustangs. still alive? You have five projects? I have five project cars. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my wife, I, I like came home because she, she knew I was going to buy like one Mustang. I was like, hey, so yeah, yeah. I bought three Mustangs and she's just like, what? And I was like, yeah, but like, she just like threw in the other ones. So I didn't have to like pay for them. She just let them out there. So yeah, the deal was to get them out of the shop there so she could park in it and, and uh, for winter sort of thing. So yeah, we hauled them out of there. And yeah, we, we got a lot of work to do. Dad, it's sort of it's funny. It's in good hands. Yes, yes. And that's, so dude, it's like crazy because I started showing that car like at the end of last year and then we did a car show just recently and I'm like making friends with all of his friends, like all these older dudes that he worked with for like 30 years. Cause he worked up at a mine and this dude was like awesome. He was an Englishman, uh, came overseas. I think when he was like 20 or 30 and they called him the wizard. Cause if there was like a part that, you know, they couldn't find or bring in, this dude could just make it like out of a chunk of metal, like just on the lathe. He was just unreal. Like, and yeah, he was like a chain smoker and was always drinking Guinness. So the joke is like, they're like, well, now that you got the car, hopefully you drink Guinness. I was like, I don't even drink, man. Like, well, he drank enough for you. He drank enough for you. So yeah, it's cool. Like I uh, actually, they asked me to like join uh, the Mustang club that he was in. Well, they told me I'm like in it. So I had to fill out the forms and everything. And now I like go to their meetings and stuff. And, That's awesome. And yeah, he left such a legacy. Like I was going to like strip down this car, do stuff to the engine, totally change it. Now it's like, I'm going to put little wider wheels on the back and maybe like a couple little things, but I'm going to keep it the way it is just because mm -hmm. there's such a legacy that this guy left behind the car. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, Tribute to him. That, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Was that so, R32? Was that hard to come by? It, man, it is crazy. So the, they the were 32, like, 33, probably even the 34 is insanely oh, hard to come by, I would imagine. Yeah, the 34 is like crazy. Like, huge. They just started importing those this year. Yeah, those things are beautiful. Yeah. They're a unicorn, man. Like, you can't. I, okay, I, I know you've seen the price on it, but the freaking price on R32 seemed to like. I remember when you got yours, I, I know the price wasn't too bad. And then all of a sudden the price on those things, like I started seeing them again and I'm like, these things doubled or tripled in value just in the last couple of years. Yeah. In one year, it pretty much doubled the price. Um, and now I don't even know what they are because you can't find them. And back in the day, man, like when they first started getting imported to Canada, you could pick them up for like five, 10 grand. And they were oh, like, wow. Yeah. They were like untouched and they're just beautiful cars and now it's just like like so many kids have destroyed them it's insane um but they're Watch fast and furious man yeah exactly it's a light <laughs> car all-wheel drive man and it's yeah that's it's insane pretty much the same for us when uh ken block came out with all the subaru stuff oh god and we just rallied the hell out of them yeah every every college kid in existence with a wrx yep. rebadged as an sti <laughs> <laughs> all right so before we head into our fast five one simple question you can take it however which way you want to what's next for you what's next for me um what are you looking forward to is there anything coming up like 
you know, just getting back on the road, seeing everyone uh, at trade shows. I was just talking to Joe, Canadian carpenter. I was like, man, I can't wait to just hang out in person again. Um, you know, just keep pushing forward with work, uh, seeing my kids grow. That's always my thing, man. I just want to, I just want to live old to see my kids, 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 you know what I mean? Um, yeah. see them get married if they get married and just, you know, that's like my life goal. There's, there's a lot of people that want a lot of things, but I just want to be able to be there and, uh, grow old with my wife and, uh, and see my kids grow up. So that's, I guess that's what's next. That's what I'm pushing for. That's a, that's a good answer. I like that. We'll, we'll get a little bit less serious with the fast five here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Murray. So we do this thing at the end of every episode. Uh, we wrap up with our fast five. It's five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. So the first one is the most underrated car in the world would be. Oh man uh most underrated car in the world would be this is oh man stump me with this one there's so many um i would say toyota aristo with a 2jz gte which is pretty much a super engine <laughs> supers are nice yeah all right number two if you some had to choose real, real real quick some of those old things i, I know that like they're, they're like the four-door cars, right? Is that yep. what, that's what you're talking about. They look like just like a little cruiser. Yep. But they got a motor and a freaking that'll go <laughs> Rip a thousand the doors miles off. <laughs> yeah. Dude, there, there's so many of those cars just like in junkyards because they just pulled out the drivetrain and just like get rid Dump of the, the car. car off. Yeah. And then they're putting them in Supras and just building them up, changing, uh, you know, the, the Supras or the IS 300, like mine that has the, um, GE, which is uh, naturally aspirated, and they just pull everything out and put in those engines, man, and they're bulletproof. Crazy Number two. If you had to choose between your R32 and your Mustang, which one would you choose? R32, hands down. That was quick. All right, <laughs> number three. Imagine you were planted in the Mad Max movie. You've seen Mad Max, right? Yep. You get one tool and one car to navigate a post-apocalyptic world. What are you bringing? Oh, man. I'm going to bring a chainsaw, and I'm going to get an H1 Hummer. <laughs> there we go, dude. <laughs> With a massive cattle guard. <laughs> yeah. All right. Number four, your one message to the next generation would be? What I said before, um, learn to stand your ground but choose your battles. I like that. And five, we ask it on every episode. What does bread to build mean to you? What does it mean to me? You were raised right. You were raised right. Boom. I like that. I like that. All righty, guys. Uh, we're going to wrap things up. As always, thanks for listening to another episode of the Bread to Build podcast. If you're liking the show, all we ask you is uh, drop an awesome review. Give us a little shout out on social media. Everybody that's done that before, we very much appreciate it. As always, uh, if you'd like to join us on the podcast or you just have some feedback and topic ideas, feel free to slide in the DMs. Uh, that's a wrap. You can find me on all platforms at Brett Gohan, Hammer, Builders, Vince, Matt, take it away. 
Breck's not doing his job very well. So, Murray, thank you so much for joining us on the Bread to Build podcast. Before we let you off the hook, where oh, can I people find and connect that. with you? Um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, of all things. Um, you can find me on YouTube and TikTok, Kruger Construction. There and at go. the local car show. That's right. That's right. Thanks for having me, guys. This was, this was really awesome. Really this was awesome, sure. Murray. Thanks for diving in with us, brother. You bet. You guys can find me on social at Matt Bangswood on nearly every social outlet. Thank you guys for listening. I think we're on episode 24 or 25. Anyways, we'll catch you next time on the Bread to Build podcast. Oh.